0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode may contain content of a graphic nature, including descriptions of physical and sexual violence against adults, children, and animals. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Tanya. And I'm Talia. And we are Crimes and Consequences, a true crime podcast.
0: Hey Tanya, how you doing today? Okay, let's come on. Can we just not? Can we just skip all that shit? All right, let's skip it. Is this a regular or a patron?
1: This is a regular episode, oh. so welcome back, oh. everyone. I'm doing great, thank you for asking. <laughs> so, welcome back to another exciting episode of Ooh. Crimes and Consequences. Have you ever heard of Lobster Boy?
0: I have in the book. That's probably completely inappropriate, like in 1980s, called Freaks.
1: Oh, okay, If That's yes. a lobster
0: boy you're talking about, yeah. who's got the little hands that... Yeah,
1: that yeah. were like lobster claws, yes. Yeah. Yes, his name was Grady Stiles Jr., and he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1937, and he would grow up, obviously, to lead a very interesting life. Mm-hmm. He was known as Lobster Boy. Due Not a to name a, I would ever want to know. Known as. He had a rare medical condition that ran in his family. It was genetic. And the condition is called ectrodactyly, and it is commonly known as lobster claw syndrome. Like I said, it's genetic. It's very rare. And what it is, it causes extremities, your hands, your feet, or both, to have malformation.
0: They're like attached or Mm -hmm. something. You know
1: what's funny, though? The condition may not start in the womb, and it could develop later in someone's life. So
0: How's that possible? I know.
1: It's just bizarre. But for Grady... His symptoms were prenatal. So the middle parts of his hands and feet were missing. So he had it both in his hands and feet. So what happens is like he had like a thumb and a pinky with like the rest of the fingers fused together. Together. So he had like, it looked like a lobster claw. But he had all his fingers, right? No, they were all fused together. It was like two big, you know. I get it. Lobster claw. Lobster claw. And like I said, his feet were exactly the same. So because his feet were disformed, he couldn't walk. And he would use a wheelchair. Okay. Okay. For many people in the 30s and 40s, this condition really hadn't been seen many times. Obviously, no internet, no even television. I mean, where do you see someone? I've never seen anybody with that. Not in person. It's rare. Yeah, it's rare. Grady was the sixth Generation in his family to have this condition.
0: Wow!
1: Right, so family members went back to like the 1800s. They, well, they still
0: managed to find someone to love them.
1: Yeah, exactly. If he's the
0: sixth generation.
1: That's true. <laughs> That's true. And Grady was the fourth child of his father, Grady Sr., and his mom, Edna. And every offspring that Grady Sr. and Edna had, they had the same condition, with exception of one of his sisters. So it's dominant. Yes. So rather than being ashamed or embarrassed about the family deformities, the Stiles family capitalized on it and they were a sideshow attraction. Welcome to America. I know, (laughs) in a traveling carnival. And, you know, like you mentioned, you read a book called Freaks. They were commonly known as freak shows, but that's inappropriate. That's inappropriate now. The family then continued to grow and produce more and more children that had this condition, like kind of like to continue to fuel the sideshow, right? Oh. Yeah. They eventually developed a family circus known as the Lobster Family, and they became a prime attraction in carnivals throughout the early 20th century. They were really popular.
0: Lobster Family. The Lobster Family. Why right. not? Why not? Halsey's going to make money. They
1: can't walk. They can't use yeah. their hands that well. Exactly. It's just 1930s. It's, yeah, it's 1930s. And even though I mentioned like most of his brothers and sisters had the condition, not all of them had them in both their hands and feet, but Grady did, like I said. When I mentioned he had this wheelchair and when he wasn't using the wheelchair, he would use his arms to pull himself across the floor. So he developed a really incredible upper body strength just because that's how he used to get around when he didn't have the chair. So I'm telling you, you know, his family is touring this circuit, this carnival circuit, and they spent their off season in a place called Gibsonton, Florida. That was known as Showtown, USA. And it was the most popular hub for circus and carnival performers throughout the winter months. So they all seemed to flock there. I had no idea. I didn't either. In case you're wondering, like, how much money could they really make? This family did really well, the Styles family. They made about sixty to $80,000 per season. And the season would be only for about half a year. I mean, it's a lot of money. What year is this? Like 19, let's say it's 1940. And it's $1. right. $1. $1.7 million in today's... Money, wow. so they did really
0: well. And they didn't even work full time.
1: No, half the year. The nice thing about all of the carnival workers going to the city in Florida was because they were all there. They kind of got away from people like staring at them. It right. It was kind of like they, you know, they truly got to a community that they fit in with. Yeah, exactly. During this time, while Grady grew up, he learned to write and he learned to shoot a gun. So his, two very um, important things. <laughs> his physical. His physical limitations did not stop him from doing those things. Eventually at some point, young Grady fell madly in love with another carnival worker named Mary Teresa. And I've seen it as Mary and I've seen it as Maria, so I'm just going to call her Mary. She had run away from her home to join the circus when she was a teenager. She was a product of incest and she was physically abused by her parents. And even though she traveled with the carnival, Mary wasn't part of any act. She was just a staff member. So she wasn't there was part nothing of the sideshow.
0: Unique about her. Right,
1: right. She was just a regular worker. Worker. So Mary and Grady hit it off really well, and they eventually got married. While married, Grady and Mary had two children. Two daughters named Kathy and Donna. Their daughter Kathy wasn't born with this lobster claw syndrome, but Donna was. Both children would become part of the carnival, joining the rest of the family. Since Donna wasn't born with a genetic condition, Grady actually favored her a little bit over her sister as they grew up. Kathy was the apple of his eye, it's been said. At some point, Grady began to drink heavily, and along with that, he became abusive to his family. Yeah. He was an incredibly mean drunk and would use his upper body strength to his advantage while beating Mary and Donna. Aww. Because Kathy was his favorite, so he did not abuse her. And, you know, this is really kind of graphic, so I'm just warning everybody. So Mary used an IUD as okay. her form yeah. of birth control. And I don't want to know this. During a fight, Grady used his claw-like hands. Stop it. Stop. You know what I'm going to say. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yep. Go ahead. He literally ripped the Stop. IUD. Out of Mary's body.
0: Oh, no, my God. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. I don't want to know. I just, I can't. I don't want to picture
1: it. Just go. Right? Can you move, like, forward? Oh, oh absolutely. That was, that was all I was going to tell you oh, about that. Oh,
0: my God.
1: I'm just trying to give you, like, the level of abuse this poor woman suffered. Oh, that's he horrible.
0: Would, I can handle a head being yeah. chopped off. I can't <laughs> handle things like this.
1: I know. He would choke her when they fought, and his hands were perfect for him to be able to just wrap around her neck and, you wow. know, do that. His hands weren't functionable enough to do much else. He became extremely dangerous to everyone around him due to his alcoholism.
0: Take away his wheelchair. Then he's got to crawl. I'm not trying to be mean. I know.
1: And two things that I mentioned, the choking and the other thing that we won't get into. It yeah. wasn't even the worst what? of the abuse. What? Yeah. It wasn't even the worst of what, he's do- what he will go on to do. His daughter, Donna... And Donna was the one that was born with the syndrome. She fell madly in love with a young man named Jake Lane, who was 18 and she was 16. And Grady hated this kid from the beginning.
0: Was he like your average?
1: Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Like, I didn't find anything that said that he had any sort of abnormalities or or anything. Right. Oh, she was actually 15 years old. Excuse me. When she became engaged to Jack... They were planning their wedding and Grady felt the need to put a stop to this relationship altogether. He was like, nope. He asked Donna to break off the engagement, but she said, you know, she loved Jack so much and she refused to do what her father told her to do. So the reason why Grady despised him is because Donna was underage, but on the day before his daughter's wedding. Grady met up with Jack. And there's two different versions of the story. One said that Grady invited Jack over under the ruse he was going to bless the marriage between Jack and Donna. And the other theory is that Grady went to Jack's home to give him the blessing. So I'm not sure exactly where this incident happened.
0: Well, if anybody tries to marry my 15-year-old daughter, there's going to be a big problem.
1: problem. But it's a different time. Yeah, it was a different time. The meeting happened in September of 1978, and before he even spoke to Jack, like when the two met up, Grady fatally shot Jack twice. What? With his shotgun. What? And it killed him instantly. What? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the poor guy was loving her, I know, and
1: loving his daughter. All,
0: all yeah. her, just the way she is, as is.
1: Grady figured if Donna got married, she would leave, and he'd no longer be able to control her or well, abuse maybe she'd her. have babies,
0: and they'd have more little baby.
1: I know for the sideshows, right? Yeah, right. Lot I lot don't know family. But he had issues like control of his family was his number one priority. When Donna found out about the murder of her poor fiancé Jack. Grady gave her devilish smile while saying, I told you I would kill him. Okay. Like, what the fuck? What What the?
0: I'd be scared to death of my dad. I hope someone went to the police.
1: Well, Grady was arrested for Jack's murder, and a trial date was set with a jury consisting of six men and six women. Grady really didn't give a shit about the consequences, and he showed absolutely no remorse for what he did. The defense claimed that Jack Lane was shot twice in self-defense. Grady said he feared for his life. Mm. Mm-hmm. He's disabled. He's, he's disabled. He's disabled. How can I even shoot a gun? Right. <laughs> the defense went on to say that everyone involved, his family and the police, got together to completely dramatize their stories. Since the shooting, Donna, the former bride-to-be, she was out of town, but somehow she was able to be in cahoots with the police to go against Grady. Like, okay. we're all conspiring, Right. The prosecution told the jury that Grady had threatened to kill Jack on multiple occasions and that he went out to purchase the gun in order to follow through with the threat. He just really didn't want Donna to marry Jack. Donna testified against her dad, and she said that she was going to live with Jack even though her father was against the underage marriage. Like, she was going to probably run away. I don't give a fuck what my dad says. She didn't care about getting his blessing, so that's why this whole story is kind of jacked up. She was happy with Jack and she wanted to start her life with him as soon as possible. She also testified that after her father killed Jack, she said to Grady, I'll see you at your grave.
0: Ooh, and that's why she got out of town.
1: Yeah. The defense claims that Donna should be ashamed of her testimony and that it caused the greatest hurt and shame for the Stiles family. The defense attorney, his name was Anthony DiCello, told the jury to visualize all the love and compassion that this poor soul has for his children. Mm-hmm. He's really trying to so play what, it up. So what was his
0: self-defense? What was Jack going to do?
1: Well, he said he was in fear for his life and that it was... was so Jack, Jack was going to like... Attack him? Okay. I don't know. All right. Beat his but ass? But he just happened to have a gun? Yeah, exactly. The attorney DiCello wanted the jury to feel sorry for Grady, since all he really had was his family, even though he abused them and beat them at every chance he got and got drunk and blah, 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 but... Before the trial began, Grady obtained a court order from the state of Florida to get custody of his children. What? Yeah. What? I know. How did he get custody? I don't think he did. Oh, he tried. Yeah, he tried. During the closing arguments, Assistant District Attorney Robert Paul Vinsler told the jury that the detectives thought that Grady would be found not guilty out of sympathy for his disabilities. One of the last statements said by the DA was that Grady has not led a happy life up to this point. It's not his fault, though. Yeah, he's had a really miserable life. The jury felt that the murder was premeditated, even though the defense said that the murder was due to love and compassion for his daughter. So Grady attended the verdict, reading in his wheelchair, and he quietly cried as the jury foreman read that he was found guilty of third-degree murder. Oh, that's amazing. The jury heard both sides and convicted Grady after deliberating for three whole hours. Three hours. <laughs> judge Thomas Harper postponed sentencing, which could have been between 10 to 20 years in prison. That's but, it? Yeah, but Judge Harper did set Grady's bond to 10 grand, which is So about, he got out. Yeah, about 50000 today, because this was 1979. Before sentencing, Grady pleaded with the judge that there was no way that he could ever be in prison. There was not a single jail or prison at the time that was equipped to handle his disability. And doing so, like putting him in a prison, would be cruel, unjust, and unusual punishment.
0: Okay, whatever. Yeah.
1: Grady failed to mention at the time that he also had cirrhosis of the liver from his constant drinking, along with emphysema from years and years of smoking cigarettes. Oh, and how old is he about this time? He's about 50 Okay. Because he was born in 1937. So yeah, he's like maybe like 52. Okay. The court recognized Grady's argument and they didn't have anything really to say. So the prosecution really didn't say much in rebuttal.
0: There's lots of people that are disabled in, I know. in
1: prison. I know, but guess what? The ju- I don't want to
0: hear it, do I? <laughs> no,
1: no. The judge didn't sentence Grady to prison time. And instead gave him 15 years probation. So he walked out a free man and went home. Yeah. He shot and killed a man, and he got to walk out. A teen. Yeah, an 18-year-old guy. So, not long after the murder, his wife divorced him. Mary finally got out of Thank God. this abusive relationship. But this didn't stop Grady from marrying his second wife. What? And having two more children. What? With her. I know. How's this guy getting women? He's super sexy. I guess. <laughs> his drunken rage and abuse kept going, and this caused his second wife to divorce him. Mary, his first wife, didn't mourn this divorce from Grady. She moved on quickly, and she got remarried to a man named Harry Glenn Newman Sr. He also worked for the carnival. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. He was known as the world's smallest man. What? Stop <laughs> it. What? Yeah. She married the world's smallest man? She married the world's smallest man. and Well, he
0: can't hurt her, I'm guessing. Yeah, right. He's small.
1: Yeah, he's probably small. And I would to- hope so. Together, they had two sons. One was Harry Glenn Jr., and he would go by Glenn. Harry, like I mentioned, he was a little person. He didn't have any physical deformities.
0: Just Okay.
1: Yeah. His act in the sideshow was he was known to hammer nails and drive ice picks up his own nose with a hammer. Oh, my goodness. What the fuck is that shit? And he did really well financially. Oh, (laughs) God.
0: I know. I am in the wrong job being a lawyer. <laughs> I know. I, I know. need to start <laughs> figuring out how to put nails up my nose. <laughs>
1: Breathe fire or something, right? Oh, wow. Sword swallow. Who knows? After the divorce of his second wife, Grady persuaded his first wife, Mary, who was married to Harry. She remarried him in 1989. What? Yeah. Why? What was wrong with Harry? I don't know. I don't know if Harry passed away. I'm not sure. Okay. But she remarried Grady. Wow. No one in Mary's family or the Stiles family knows how the hell he got her to marry <laughs> no. him a second time. So Mary, along with Donna and Kathy, who were now adults, they all were one big happy family. On one occasion, Grady's daughter Kathy was pregnant, and she tried to intervene between a bad argument that was going on between her parents. She put Grady's wheelchair in between the two of them in an attempt like, to calm things down, like separate them. But Grady got so enraged by this that he turned to Kathy and beat her so badly to the point she went into early labor. <sighs> Thankfully, the baby survived and was born with lobster claw syndrome. Grady became especially cocky after evading prison for killing a man. Unquote, oh, yeah. blood And beating. Yeah. His
0: daughter. His and...
1: He knew he could literally get away with murder. And with this mindset, the beatings toward his wife and kids became much more severe. And this is when Mary finally... Finally, had enough. She's like, "Fuck this!" She was done, and she put a hit out on Grady. What? <laughs> what? Why did you put a hit on someone? I yeah. don't know. Mary I'm put so a hit I out. I don't. I'm okay. gonna tell you all about it, okay? Oh my! Well, why didn't? you?
0: Yeah. Okay. This so is my questions. Up. But it's I know. Fun.
1: She paid her 17 year old neighbor and fellow carnival worker. His name was Chris Wyant. She paid him a whopping fifteen hundred dollars to murder Grady. Mary, she said, I hit my breaking point. I couldn't find a way out of living. Why did she just kill him? Hell- so her son, Glenn, which was the world's smallest man's son, remember? <laughs> Harry. So her son, Glenn, helped his mother come up with a plan that would get rid of Grady once and for all.
0: This story's so fucked up. I
1: know. <laughs> I know. Okay. I didn't know all of this. Okay. Glenn would plan and help carry out the murder. So the, the young neighbor, Chris, the 17-year-old. He had a friend buy him a thirty-two caliber Colt automatic pistol, and this would be the weapon that Chris would use to shoot Grady. Everyone around the Styles family knew that Grady was a dangerous man who needed to be stopped. I'm not saying like you should murder someone, but, but. he was pretty hated. And before I tell you more I and what happens wait. next, I can't wait. We're gonna take a break.
0: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On the night of the shooting, which was to take place in November of 1992, neighbor Chris peered into the window and he saw Grady watching TV in his underwear. Oh, that's nice. Chris entered the Stiles family trailer with his 32 caliber gun, and he shot Grady at point-blank range, killing him instantly. Hmm. Grady was 55 years old. The police had a very long list of suspects to work through. Because he was an asshole. Yeah, everybody hated him. And they eliminated each suspect one by one. They knew he had lots of enemies. He was hard to get along with because he was just such an angry alcoholic. He'd get drunk and be pissed. He's a and, dick. Yeah. And he knew he could get away with so much shit. Like, I mean, he could literally kill someone. He just had a terrible reputation. Up until his death, he was still making money from the circus and the carnival. Why are they living in a trailer? Which I'm surprised because it's 1992. Did they what? still have these sideshows? No, I don't that's, remember that's, this. That's
0: so politically not correct. No,
1: it's not. Maybe, mm-hmm. I know it doesn't seem right, but he did. The medical examiner noted in Grady's autopsy that he was shot in the back of the head. Surprise. With the police using their process of elimination, the suspects came down to Grady's family. Had to be someone in the family. When the surviving members of the Stiles family were questioned by police about Grady's murder, not a single one of them denied that they really wanted to murder Grady. They knew that he would need to die.
0: In In order for them to be free. Yeah,
1: in order for them to be free. And, you know, that way he couldn't hurt anyone else. They had to kill him. Seems Man. like they could have found a
0: different way. I know. Less obvious. I'm just right? saying. I don't know. Get them real drunk. Never mind. I'm not gonna
1: <laughs> You're not going to hypoth- plan a murder. <laughs>
0: hypothesize.
1: Mary said to the detectives that Grady was going to kill her and her family. And she believed that, like, wholeheartedly. I'm sure. She knew they would be safe now that Grady was dead. And she thanked God that her family was alive and okay. And back then... They
0: were, like, with domestic violence and yeah. all that battered wife syndrome that was still kind of... New. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come into this story in oh, a little wow. bit. Spoiler yeah. alert. I know. Spoiler alert. Despite how true Mary's statement was to the police, when police questioned Glenn, he was forced to take a polygraph test, which he failed miserably. He was
0: forced? Yeah, apparently. not really force you
1: to. I didn't think they could. They can't. No. But it took one. Okay, well... After that, he was taken into an interrogation room, and the pressure was applied, which he cracked. Yeah, he's 17. Yeah, and he spilled the beans, confessing to the entire plan. During the confession, Glenn told investigators every step of the plan between him, his mother Mary, and the neighbor Chris. He just spilled his guts. After the confession, detectives drove back to Gibsonton to pick up Mary at her home. The police said that they spoke with Glenn and they needed her to come down to the police station to straighten out some facts. Oh,
0: shit. You know,
1: you ne- I need you to come.
0: You know what? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a warrant yeah.
1: before I go there. <laughs> they informed her that Glenn made some statements that weren't really in her favor. And, you know, they really needed her side of the story. But they also made sure that, obviously, Mary knew her constitutional rights. They read her, her Miranda rights. Mary was visibly upset. By all that was happening. On November 30th, 1992, at 10.30 p.m., Mary signed a consent form giving the police permission to interrogate her. The detectives then asked Mary to tell them what happened. So she told investigators that her husband was abusive to both her and her children. She told them Grady was an uncontrollable monster and would beat them with his claws, is what she called them. She said he would make her bleed by headbutting her. She proceeded to tell investigators that she had told her daughter Kathy about wanting to kill Grady several months before it actually happened. And then when Glenn became aware, he knew someone that could help carry it out, the neighbor. Hmm. Mary said that she wanted to make one thing clear there and then, that she wanted to accept all of the blame for the murder. She wanted her family to be left out of it. She told detectives that she gave Glenn the $1,500 as payment to Chris for the murder of Grady. The detectives asked Mary if she had ever met Chris, and she told them, yeah, I have, but they never discussed the murder that she wanted done. The arrangement was between her and Glenn, so Glenn was the one that gave Chris the money to carry out the hit on Grady. About two weeks prior to the killing, Mary had told her daughter Kathy that the contract was off and that no murder was going to happen. Can you imagine these conversations? I called off the hit. Hey, kids, guess what? Good news. Good news. We're not going to kill Dad after all. Mary was adamant with the detectives that Grady was supposed to be alive. It wasn't supposed to happen this way.
0: Well, wait, I thought she was taking the fall for it, but now she's saying...
1: She's like, well, it wasn't supposed to happen this way. I mean, yeah, I
0: agreed in the beginning, but then I...
1: Now she's backing down. Yeah, but then... Throwing them under the bus. The police were like, well, you left the trailer... Just moments before Grady was murdered, so she happened to step out, and well, it's you know, coincidence. Yeah, coincidentally, he's alone. The detectives then asked Mary where she got the fifteen hundred dollars to have her husband killed, and she told detectives she made her own money by being a showgirl, and that she oh, had access she... to her own finances. Showgirl? I don't know, but Grady was, was fifty-five, Mary. so she can't be that young.
0: Well, whatever, whatever, Whoever whatever. Good for float her. somebody's boat,
1: you know. Everybody likes different flavors, Talia. That's right. What are you trying to say?
0: Nothing. Old ladies can't. No, they're sexy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: the detectives.
0: As an old lady. Yeah, I can testify. As an
1: old lady, right? The detectives asked her, why didn't you just divorce Grady like hmm. she previously did? Well, and, Why did you divorce him and remarry Grady? Yeah, right. Mary said that he threatened to kill her if she did. And the abuse was much worse than it ever had been in the past. I believe it. Yeah, me too. That same day, Mary was charged with first degree murder, and she was also charged with conspiracy to commit first degree murder. Her son, Glenn, was indicted with the same exact charges, Mm. so she wasn't going to get away with taking all the blame. Chris, the neighbor, he was taken into custody on December 1st. He was advised of his rights, and then he declined to make any statements and requested an attorney. Smart. Yes. The detectives then went on the search for the murder weapon. They found a trailer that belonged to the guy who gave Chris the thirty-two caliber Colt gun, and they found the gun in the middle of a swamp-like woods next to a palm tree.
0: Hmm.
1: The gun was still loaded when it was taken into evidence. Chris was arrested and charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. So all three of them were. Yep, all three of them. Due to the nature of the cold-blooded crimes, all of them were held without bond. None of the three defendants took any sort of plea deal, and they all chose trial by jury. The state of Florida decided not to seek the death penalty in all three cases. The cases were assigned to Judge Barbara Fleischer, and she had a reputation of being sympathetic to abused women. Mary and Glenn were represented by a young criminal attorney named Peter Catania. He originally was only going to represent Mary, and he later took Glenn's case pro bono. He soon realized that the case was too large for one attorney. These are two fucking mess. Two
0: murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are murder, you know, charges here. Yeah. So he brought on another attorney. Named and wouldn't it be kind of a conflict of interest like that? To represent both Vote of them? them? Yeah, I think I they had separate trials. I don't, favor. I don't know.
1: I guess. He brought on another attorney named Arnold Levine to help. Levine was a well-known attorney and the media loved him. Because he always represented, like, high-profile cases, and he won them a lot.
0: And he won the publicity. Yeah.
1: He knew that this case was going to cost a lot of money for Mary, so he also took the case, pro bono.
0: But he got a lot like said, of
1: news Oh yeah, lots lot of, of media attention. attention. So he didn't care. He got, like, free advertising. I do it, too. hmm Mary and Glenn filed for Battered Spouse and Child Syndrome Defenses. The battered-wife syndrome had never been tried as a defense in a murder-for-hire case in Florida before, so Levine had to prove that Mary feared for her life and was so intimidated by Grady that killing him was her only way out. He felt they could win the case, without a doubt. The first of the trial, though, would be Glenn's. Detectives testified that Glenn failed the lie detector test. I don't think they could do that. Yeah, it's not admissible. Oh, and because they did it, because polygraph results can't be admitted as evidence, Judge Fleischer ruled a mistrial.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was really stupid of them.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, what? What They fucked that whole case.
0: I mean, that's like law school first year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Hello. Hello. Chris, the neighbor, Chris Wyant, his trial date was set to begin in January of 1994. His lawyer was court appointed and was not known to be the best, like what Marion Glenn had.
0: And he can't use that defense. No,
1: he can't. Chris's mother, Janice, was present for her son's trial, along with Chris's six-year-old sister. I don't think that's mm, quite appropriate. Way, Why are you bringing a six-year-old? What? Anyway. The prosecution touched on the fact that Chris didn't just shoot Grady once. He instead kept shooting and shooting and shooting. No. While sitting on the defense side of the courtroom, Chris showed no emotion or remorse for what he did. He felt that what he did was right in order to save the surviving members of the Stiles family. Assistant State Attorney Ron Haynes had a very strong case against Chris and portrayed him to the jury as a hired assassin and a person who was born to kill the theatrics. Well,
0: he's a hired assassin, though.
1: That's true. He relayed that there were two plans originally. One was to shoot Grady outside of a lounge in Gibsonton, but that didn't happen since Grady only went there during the daytime. The other was to make the murder look like a home invasion gone awry. That would have been a better idea. That would have been a better idea. Witnesses were called by the prosecution, and one person in particular was Grady's neighbor, Marco Eno, who was the first person Mary went to with her murder for hire plot, but he oh. declined. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, hey, you want to kill Grady? He's like,
0: Hey, no. can I get a cup of sugar? And then I have a question for you real quick.
1: I got I to gotta find out. Would you be interested in something? I got him. a business enterprise for you. What the hell? You want to make a few extra bucks? Eno was asked about the night of the murder. He lived nearby and heard everything that happened when the murder occurred. He said that around 11 p.m. he heard someone yelling and that Grady kept saying, get the fuck out, you son of a bitch. Then came four shots. He was the person who discovered Grady's body, and he saw Chris leave the trailer after the shots were heard. During the witness testimony, Chris was described as seeming to be bored with the whole ordeal.
0: I've been in court, and I've been bored too, (laughs) but not with my own murder trial, for the
1: record. Medical examiner was called to testify and said that Grady was shot three times. Two shots were fatal. Either one of them could have been the kill shot. One of the bullets went straight through the brainstem and hit the base of his skull. The third bullet entered and chipped the skull and exited. Testimony throughout the trial only took about a day and a half. The jury hung on to every word from the prosecution's mouth during closing arguments, and they deliberated for six hours.
0: That's not good for Chris. No. On January 20th,
1: 1994, Chris, who was originally charged with first-degree murder, was found guilty of second-degree murder with a firearm and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. He was sentenced to 27 years in prison for his crime. Next trial was the main event, the trial for Mary. Mary's attorney filed for a speedy trial, but what he didn't know was that Judge Fleischer, her schedule was full for the next 90 days, and she was supposedly the judge that was sympathetic to... <gasps> batter. So when he filed for a speedy trial, you got a, they got a different judge, yep. didn't they? Yep, they got a different mm. judge. It was Judge M. William Grayville, and he was known to be a real hard ass. During her trial, Mary cried quietly at the defense table. The prosecutor was Ron Haynes. He presented a very similar case as he did with Chris, and Chris was called to the stand to testify against Mary.
0: Oh, wow. I know. That's maybe why he only got 27 years. Yeah, maybe.
1: He told the jury he was brought into the plan that Mary and Glenn had already cooked up. He went through with the murder while being high. This was a new detail, and Mary's defense team did everything they possibly could to poke holes in the new alleged story. The state rested, and it was time for the defense to make their case.
0: Since, it doesn't matter if you're high or not, anyway. Yeah, no, I know. It's not diminished capacity. No,
1: of course. You know and what I you're doing. To
0: people are high out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Not so, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe had to get high in order to do it. Right. I don't know. Since Judge Fleischer had allowed the battered wife's defense, that didn't mean that Judge Graybill was going to. Mary first had to testify for that to be admitted as a defense. She had to first admit that she arranged the killing and feared for her life. Mary said she couldn't fully recall specifics of what happened leading up to the murder. This was a problem because in order for the judge to rule the self-defense, you know, this battered wife syndrome, she had to describe in detail what she went through. Her attorney mentioned in a statement to the media that Mary's memory, it had returned. Ah, yeah. It's back. But it was because of trauma that she failed to recall. That's probably true. That hmm The following day, Judge Graybill stated battered wife syndrome could not be used <gasps> as a proper defense. Mm. Arnold Levine, her lawyer, now had to prove that Mary was in imminent danger. The defense called Harry Newman Sr., which was Glenn's dad, which was the smallest man the world's smallest man yes he told the jury that he had known grady for over 30 years during their time working together in the carnival shows he went on to say that mary called him after grady had thrown her out of the house one night and when he picked her up she was covered in black and blue bruises from head to toe he talked about how he and mary wed after grady and her got divorced while the two of them were married mary's children with grady lived with their father And when she would try to send them stuff, he would send everything back.
0: But you just said the word imminent, right? Yeah. And we know what that means as lawyers. Yes. Immediate.
1: Immediate. Instant. Yeah. When the murder happened. Yeah. She had to have been in immediate danger. Lastly, Newman told the jury about the time that Grady pulled out a sawed-off shotgun and put it to Mary's head. Not only did he put the gun to her head, but he also hit her with the gun and tried to sexually assault her with the shotgun. Neighbors testified for Mary during her trial and said they would hear blood-curdling screams coming from the Stiles' home on occasion. It was no secret that Grady was a very abusive alcoholic and he mistreated his family on a regular basis. He used his upper body strength to throw himself on the floor and would use his claw-like fingers as weapons to choke, slam, and beat his family. He would target skin and eyes since his claws would tear right through them. Oh, man. Mary took the stand to testify on her own behalf. Well, She She, has to. Yeah. She spoke about her previous home life before she ran away to join the carnival. She then spoke about how badly she was assaulted by Grady when they were first married. He hit her in the face so badly that all of her teeth broke. (gasps) He would pour, I know, he would pour steaming hot coffee on her. He walked... Well, she should have scars from that. Yeah, she should. He walked her around with a knife in her back, Hmm. and he knocked her down the stairs while she was pregnant with one of their children. She talked about how badly Grady beat their children. She told the jury about how he ripped out her IUD. Sad. And that she was bleeding heavily (gasps) when he threw her out of the house. Mary was questioned about if she had ever called the police when she and the children were abused. and She told the jury that when she called the police, they said, this is a domestic problem. I'm sure if you talk it over, everything will be fine. Okay. And they left. Grady used to tell her, I got away with murder once before. Yeah, I mean, that in and of itself Mm -hmm. is fucking scary. He's like, I could get away with it again. Mm.
0: Not if I kill you first.
1: (laughs) Mary said she had a handwritten will because she thought that Grady was going to definitely kill her. She wanted everything to be in order for when she was finally murdered at his hands. Her daughter, Kathy, held the will for her just in case. The prosecution cross-examined Mary and grilled her about her money, previous marriages, and the murder. Kathy was called to the stand to testify for her mother. The defense put up a great defense, but when all was said and done, Mary was convicted. And I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, she had to be, right? Right. Of manslaughter and conspiracy to commit murder, and she was sentenced to 12 years in prison. Well, was, that's not saying, too yeah, bad. It's not too bad. No. Glenn was convicted of first degree murder, along with conspiracy to commit murder. Remember and Chris the shooter was only convicted 20... of second degree. Oh yeah. He was sentenced, Glenn, her son, was sentenced to life in prison oh. with an extra twelve years oh, added to his term.
0: Oh, if I was married, man. I know, oh, man. man.
1: When Grady died, just a little tidbit about Grady before I'm done with the story. When he died, he was so disliked the funeral home couldn't find one person. Willing to be a pallbearer.
0: Wow. I mean, not one fucking person.
1: They were like, fuck you. Nope. Mary was released from prison in the year 2000, and she went back to her life in Gibsonton, Florida. Since her release, she wanted to stay out of the public eye, and her current whereabouts are unknown. Chris was released in 2009, and he also has been living off the radar. Not sure where he's at. His whereabouts are unknown, and unfortunately, Glenn died. in prison in 2014 yeah couldn't have been that old couldn't have been that old
0: wow this is my sad Uh, sad story i don't even know what the fuck to say about this crazy stuff
1: this is wild right what What the hell what lots of twists and turns in that story what the (laughs) hell he thought it was just gonna be about one murder nope
0: it's about murdering the
1: murderer i
0: don't even know i don't even know what to say about
1: the crazy twists and turns i know it's wild Thank you, Talia, for listening, and thank you, thank everyone, you. for joining us this week. Yes. If you haven't already. Subscribe. Please hit that subscribe or follow, follow button. Por favor. And or like us, whatever Yeah, whatever, whatever it we is. Want. We don't know. Do it all. Just do it. Just do it. It's you know, It takes you like a millisecond.
0: Yeah, and you can write a nice review somewhere, yeah. too. Not a bad one. Yeah. Because we'll fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a review the fucking review. I know,
1: right? Mm-hmm. We haven't done one in a while. Yeah, We're going to have to dig through them and see what we can come up with. We are on social media at Hardcore True Crime on Facebook and Instagram. And if you would like even more, more stories from us, you can join our Patreon. Yep, It is patreon.com slash TNT crimes.
0: Like dynamite.
1: Like dynamite TNT. Or you can go to Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen and you can subscribe there. It's the same episodes. Yep. What else? And if you subscribe, not only do you get extra episodes, but you get the weekly ones early, release, yep. and ad-free. ad free. God So check us. it out.
0: Yeah. We have a website, crumbsconsequences.com.
1: Yeah. Take a gander at that. Take a gander? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck says that? I don't know, my grandma. I don't know. Oh my god. I don't know. Yeah, I'm getting um, old Leah. Take, take a know. gander at that. <laughs> so I don't know. This is all poppycock. <laughs> Getting old. So until our next episode. Don't kill each other. Bye. Bye.